0: Hello from twenty twenty one. And welcome back everyone to Mass Murder,
1: a true crime self-care podcast. We're your hostesses Avery and Nicole. And we're here to tell you about two things. Masks and murder. First, we're gonna dive into a true crime story, and then we'll follow it up with a little feel good self-care session where we try out a new face mask and tell you what we think about it.
0: But before we get into all of the details, just a quick reminder, we are not experts, so please don't take our comments as hard facts. We did our best to research everything and, of course, added in a little personal flair that stems from both of our true crime obsessions.
1: All right. So way back in episode 10, which is just crazy to say, we talked about Ronald Ward Jr. And we talked about how one of his victim's families, uh, Kristen Loritz family erected a billboard to help keep interest in her case in her case and to try to you know find her killer if I don't know if you remember but you pointed out two cases that also used billboards one in Baltimore and the case that inspired the three billboards outside Ebbing movie Mm -hmm. yes um well today we're not going to talk about either of those stories good Good. (laughs) yeah just wanted to refresh your memory Um, No, instead, we're going to take a look at the first case that used billboards to help the investigation, and it took place in Tampa, Florida, back in the late 80s and early 90s. Taking it back to the OG. Yeah, so let's travel back in time to 1989. It's late May, and Joan Rogers, who's 36, and her teenage daughters, Michelle, who was 17, and Christy, who was 14, were on their first ever family vacation out of the state from their dairy farm in northern Ohio. And a little bit of background on the ladies. In addition to pitching in around the farm, Joan worked the night shift at a plant in nearby Bluffton, Indiana. Michelle was getting ready to start her senior year of high school and was active in the Future Farmers of America. And Christy was getting ready to start her freshman year of high school. She was active in 4-H, marching band, and was a cheerleader. Busy, busy. Uh, Both of the girls were known to keep up with their chores around the farm and would get up early so that they could complete them before school. The father and husband of the family, Hal, stayed behind to tend to the farm while the girls were on their vacation. The three women took a sightseeing road trip and made a stop at Disney World, which I'm just going to go ahead and speculate that they had an amazing time while they were there, because, you know, how can you not? True. It is the happiest place on earth. I can attest to that. It (laughs) truly is. Uh, So as the ladies are wrapping up their trip, they're headed back towards Ohio, and they stop in Tampa on June 1st. They checked into a motel and had reportedly made plans to stop at Bush Gardens and then continue on home. No offense to Bush Gardens, but... Probably a little bit of a light down after Disney World.
0: Yeah, I've never been to the one in Tampa. I mean, there's the one in Virginia, but yeah. I, I assume it's kind of similar. It's just yeah. very yeah. different vibe.
1: Yeah, very very similar to the one here in Virginia, but definitely a much different vibe than Disney World. But either way, let's uh, fast forward a couple of days to June 4th, when the bodies of three women were found floating in the Tampa Bay off of St. Petersburg. Now these women had been bound, gagged, and their mouths were covered with tape and each one was tied to a thirty pound concrete block. Okay.
0: Sounds like some absolute mafia shiz to me. Possibly. I mean thirty I mean you know. I've been watching Sopranos recently. Oh, have you? Yeah. It's one of those shows that going back to mm. not necessarily a comforting show, but something you can
1: binge. Something familiar. Yeah. I've never seen it, so that's good. Okay. Maybe Maybe, maybe now that I'm ready to start getting into some new territories. But, so, back to the, um, these women. Although their attacker did try to weigh their bodies down with the concrete blocks, the gases that are created during decomposition caused the bodies and the concrete blocks to rise to the surface. In the Forensic Files episode on this case, Glenn Moore, the lead, lead investigator, says that if the weather and temperature of the water had been cooler a single concrete block might have actually been enough to hold each body down. So clearly the perp didn't really do his research. And I would just like to say, like, what dummy thinks that 30 pounds is going to hold down a fully grown human being?
0: I mean, not going to lie, I I don't have any plans to do this, but I
1: personally would have been like, yeah, 30 pounds, sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, me thinking about it, when I was in high school, I weighed maybe like 100 pounds. Who's going to think that 30 pounds is going to hold down 100 pounds, uh, like, successfully?
0: I, I totally get it, but I just, it just, I wouldn't have, I mean, I guess if I was trying to murder someone, I probably would have put some kind of thought into it, but. Yeah, I just feel like you should have put Maybe it's more. spur of the moment, and that person just carries around 30 pound blocks for funsies. Only three of them? One? Just, yeah.
1: yeah. It's his favorite number.
0: Who knows? Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Obviously zero idea.
1: Yeah. So anyway. The victims were found naked from the waist down, which led to the theory that they had been sexually assaulted, but unfortunately, the bay water washed away any actual evidence of this, so they couldn't 100% confirm it. The water also washed away any trace evidence like hair, fiber, fingerprints that there might have been. Finally, and probably the worst part, is that the women were thought to have been alive when they entered the water, since there were no other signs of trauma, like a stabbing or a gunshot wound and they had water in their lungs which led to their cause of death being ruled as drowning which probably means that they suffered
0: okay wait i had a new thought what if the killer only used the 30 pound block because they only cared about the woman drowned but really didn't care if they were found or not and yeah, perhaps a 30 pound block's easier to find than a heavier one yeah
1: i don't i don't know what the going weight of concrete blocks is, but that's no actually a really good point like maybe he just wanted it to be enough for them to not be able to successfully get to the surface yeah and like who cared about later like creepily like watched
0: i don't know psychopaths or crazy but yeah that's true never, truer words have never
1: been said <laughs> exactly. oh lord So the medical examiner estimated that the women had been in the water for at least three days.
0: Since the bodies didn't contain any identification, police weren't immediately able to ID the victims. While they were trying to figure out who the victims were, police turned to the University of South Florida, which is USF, and asked them to analyze the currents of the Tampa Bay for the time period in which the women were thought to have been in the water. This was to help them pinpoint the location that the bodies had entered the bay and hopefully point them in a good direction to start the ID process. The USF determined that the women were most likely to enter the water in the middle of the bay, not off a bridge or from the shoreline. So, that would indicate that someone with a boat, or at least access to a boat, is the perp they're looking for. Dexter did it. <laughs> it took me by surprise.
1: <laughs> Except Dexter was in Miami, a little bit farther south.
0: Yeah, Florida. True. It wasn't until two days later, after the media started reporting on the story of the unidentified women, that the police were actually able to identify the bodies. A maid at the motel off of the Courtney Causeway had started to get concerned about a room that she was scheduled to clean. It had been a few days since the tenants checked in and everything was still undisturbed. Even stranger, no one had actually seen the women or, or the woman and her teenagers around the room since they checked in. After seeing the story on the news, the manager of the motel called the police to alert them of the maid's concerns. The room was registered to Joan Rogers, who had checked in with her two teenage daughters. Authorities f- immediately contacted her husband, Hal. In the Forensic Files episode, Hal just said, quote, the sheriff got a hold of me, end quote. So it's not clear to us if they went to the farm in person or talked to Hal or called Hal for just the sake of time. But I imagine that telling someone such news uh, is something that you probably want to do in person. I would assume so. Yeah. But eh, sake of time, I get it. No judgment on what they did. I'm sure there are protocols.
1: I mean, it was also a small town, so I feel like they would have gone in person anyway because oh. everyone probably knew each other. Yeah,
0: or they probably could have called local authorities to go over and tell them.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's most likely right, the right, case. Right, 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 I'm there.
0: I'm with you. All right, well, together they worked to get the family dental records, which confirmed the worst. The three, found, three women found in the Tampa Bay were indeed Joan, Michelle, and Christy. After identifying their victims, police were on the lookout for Joan's car.
1: And they found it at a public boat ramp about a mile from the motel and about 25 miles from where their bodies were found. While searching Joan's car, police discovered two handwritten notes. One was on a pamphlet, which contained directions to the motel that the women were staying at. And the other was on hotel stationery, contained directions to the boat ramp with a note that indicated blue with WHT seems pretty obvious that since the directions are to a boat ramp, it's describing a blue and white boat, right? abso freaking So the two notes were sent to forensic handwriting analysts who were able to determine that the two samples came from different individuals. Teresa Stubbs, a forensic document examiner, explains that the handwriting samples on the hotel stationery were easily confirmed as Joan Rogers since they had received quite a bit of samples of her handwriting for comparison. The sample that contained directions to the hotel did not contain handwriting that belonged to Joan or her daughters. Teresa explains that the writing on the pamphlet was very distinctive. For example, the letter T was capitalized in the portion of the hotel address containing the word Courtney, and the letter Y was written numerous times. If I recall correctly, I think it was three. But each time that the Y was written, it was written differently with just slight variations. Interesting. Right? Right? So it, so based on the note written by Joan, police were looking for a blue and white boat. Detective M. Mahoney, who was working the case, noted that many pleasure boats fit the description of the boat that they were looking for, which only complicated their search. Even more unfortunate, the boat ramp wasn't a place that people actually docked their boats and stored them. It was literally just a public boat ramp that anyone could use to launch their boat into the water for the day.
0: Oh, that's a bummer. I was sure that they would be able to reference the logs of, like, what boats had been docked during that time. But guess there goes that idea.
1: Exactly. Super unfortunate. But then police received a tip that a local resident was operating an unlicensed business from the same ramp. He was offering to take tourists out for sunset cruises on the Tampa Bay. What was his name? Jason Wilcox. And he did own a blue and white boat. He's on the short list. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so this is obviously suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Police thought so too. They decided to run a background check on Jason and discovered that he had served time for aggravated assault. He lived just five miles from the boat ramp, and when they went to visit him, police saw that he had concrete blocks on his property. This guy's just getting more and more suspect.
0: I don't know. I'm suspicious about how open and shut this guy just seems.
1: Yeah, um, I guess we'll see. But, you know, as you do, Jason denied having any involvement in the case, and without any evidence actually linking him to the case, police weren't able to get a warrant for a handwriting sample. So we'll just go ahead and stick in this for a few minutes, I guess. Two weeks
0: before the murder of the three Rogers women, homicide investigators were made aware of an eerily similar case via police bulletin from... Madeira, police PD, about 27 miles away from Tampa. A 24-year-old Canadian tourist was approached by a man who offered her a boat ride on the bay. A blue and white boat, to be specific. Thinking, what a fun opportunity that would be, the woman agreed. And, no, no, just, I don't understand it. Of all of the things we've been taught, I know this was a long time ago, and, you know, like, you're not... to talk to strangers probably was something that really occurred in like the 90s uh it's very yes strange like mr stranger i love candy i will get in the van with you
1: yeah i don't know i mean i might be reaching maybe he seemed super normal and he even had some kind of like business brochure or something that they could look at something that made him seem more legit made them feel safer i don't know well apparently he did actually
0: seem normal and things were going fine until they got out on the open water The man told her that if she didn't have sex with him, he would kill her. He saw the fear in her eyes and told her that the waters were infested with sharks, just in case she was thinking about swimming away. She begged him not to do anything to her, telling him that she was a virgin. She likely mentioned this, thinking that it might cause him to maybe have mercy on her, spare her innocence, but it, in fact, had the opposite effect. Instead of turning him into someone that was understanding and wasn't going to hurt her, it excited him. He even went as far as to tell her it wasn't worth getting murdered over a sexual assault and then carried on with his attack.
1: What a fucking sicko. Oh, I know.
0: I... Okay, now I'm not going to say... After he finished raping the poor girl, he got physically ill and threw up.
1: So that has to mean that it was probably his first time sexually assaulting anyone, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that would make sense to me. I mean, the physical does... The physical reaction really does point to some level of remorse.
1: Yeah, like, a, I can't believe what I just did, or, yeah, like... Yeah, just,
0: like, oh, sh- oh, shit, I finally did it, yeah, or... Yeah, what am I going to do now? What's yeah. the next step? Yeah, yeah. you're probably right. Yeah. He waited until dark and took the boat close to shore and let the woman swim to safety. You know, just disregarding that whole shark thing.
1: Maybe he figured he was close enough to the shore that...
0: I mean, psh, I'd swim, too. At that, yeah, at that yeah. point. Chances uh, take me. Yeah. Unfortunately, the woman went back to her hotel room and showered before heading to the police station to report what had happened to her so i mean that's not good but the swimming probably didn't help protect any physical evidence either
1: yeah i mean because if like the other three women the water in the bay washed away all of the physical evidence mm-hmm. i mean hopefully with just the short amount of time that she was in the bay that something could have been saved but at this point we'll never know
0: yeah and i'm never gonna judge someone for wanting to go take a shower after no. an
1: assault no absolutely I get not.
0: it totally get it makes sense uh, Anywho, but fortunately, her description helped police create a composite sketch of the perp. When comparing the sketch to Jason Wilcox, the two looked absolutely nothing alike, and he was ruled out as a suspect in the case. He was also ruled out of the Rogers case after he took him past a polygraph. In addition to passing the poly, he had alibis for when the women actually went missing and were murdered. So, except for, like, that last bullet... I personally wasn't really um, believing that, well, he passed the polygraph test, so obviously he didn't do it. Yeah, because they're alibis. Different. I,
1: I, mean, wonder what, I wonder what they were.
0: Yeah, I know. It's like, going wonder if it's like I a it was like girlfriend or something. It's just like, he was so totally with me. He was with me all night. But doesn't matter. He was ruled out. With their main suspect, huh? Ruled out. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i fine. Leave it in. <laughs>
0: With their main suspect ruled out, the police released the composite sketch to the public. This, not exactly surprisingly, led to hundreds of leads, each of which had to be followed up on. They then released the description of the boat, which wasn't helpful either. That generated 800 leads alone. And yeah, putting the idea of a blue and white boat on, I mean, come on, not exactly unique. I feel like...
1: of votes are blue and white.
0: Right? Yeah. It just seems... I don't even know why you would include that. It doesn't seem helpful at all. It's all they had to go on, though. Uh, I guess. After looking into all of the new leads, police turned up zilch. According to a September 1992 LA Times article, the case was featured in an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. The airing of the show led to another outpouring of tips. Eight telephone operators in California alone took calls for over an hour after the show ended. Again, none of the tips provided
1: any serious leads. So, at this point, the police are at a standstill. They decided to try a new tactic. They rented out five area billboards and displayed the sus- the suspected killer's handwriting. The billboards also contained phrases like, who wrote these directions? You may know who killed the Rogers family and offered a $25,000 reward, which today is the equivalent of
0: $46,370.10. It's a Huge reward, but I love the fact that they did handwriting. Yeah. Handwriting is so distinctive, and obviously, at the time, people actually
1: wrote things a lot more than they do now. Yes.
0: All of the typing. All the typing. All the
1: texting. But this case would be the first to use this tactic of renting out billboards. It just so happens that Joanne Steffi saw the billboards while she was driving along the highway and thought she recognized the handwriting. It reminded her of a contractor that she knew. Oba Chandler. On Forensic Files, Joanne says that when she first met Oba, he came across as sleazy. My word, not hers. She actually said, quote, he came across as not telling the truth. He wouldn't look you in the eye, and he just seemed shifty. End quote. Yeah. So, so sleazy. Yeah. Yeah. Concerning, all the same. Yes. When she got home, she was able to uncover a handwritten receipt for a work order that Oba had done for her. When she was looking at it, her knees gave out, and she was so shocked that she nearly fell over. Being the good person that she was, Joanne knew that she had to hand everything over to the police. Teresa Stubbs, the forensic document examiner we mentioned earlier, took to examining the receipt that Joanne had turned in. She remembers finding the random capital T's throughout it and seeing all the same variations of the letter Y that were in the directions to the motel. She knew within minutes that the two handwriting samples came from the same person. Toba Chandler was 43 years old, ran a construction business, was married, and had eight children by seven different women.
0: What a busy bee. He was.
1: (laughs) Speaking of busy, his criminal record started when he was only a teenager and included two sexual assaults. He also only lived about a half mile from the boat ramp where the Rogers family vehicle was found. Police pulled the ship-to-shore phone logs, which records all communication between boats on the water and the shore. Now, this was bad news spares for Oba. It put him on the bay on the day of the rape in Madeira Beach and the day of the murders of the Rogers family. Oba initially denied any involvement in either crime, of course. But then police brought in the Canadian tourist. So they, like, obviously had to fly her back down. Right. Uh, yeah. it was years later.
0: Yeah. I mean, it has to be. It's not like they could zoom her in. So, yeah. So, yeah, had to. It just bananas to me. Like, where's their money in the budget for that? When you're solving a big case. That, yeah.
1: True. So, they showed this tourist uh, a selection of pictures, and she immediately picked out Oba. Not only did she pick out Oba, but she had a physical reaction to his picture, which I'm guessing meant that she, like, jerked or got nauseous or something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Made a vomit face emoji, what have you.
1: (laughs) Yes, she made the emoji. (laughs) Yeah, the green face. Yeah, but she wasn't stopping there. She requested to see him in a live lineup so that she could be 100% positive. Like, go girl. I know, good for her for being really thorough. Yeah. I appreciate that. So police complied with her request, and she positively identified Oba once again. They went to his slip to inspect his boat only to discover that he had sold it. You know, probably to get rid of any evidence that could link him to the crimes. Yes,
0: not suspicious at all. No, not at all.
1: Police knew that they needed more than just handwriting to put this guy away. So they went back and processed the brochure from the car with a chemical that reacts to the amino acids and fingerprints. And they had a hit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. I did that. I, I'm so glad you did. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, There were numerous fingerprints and a palm print. The palm print had the best quality, and when they compared Oba's palm print to the brochure, they determined it was a match.
0: So we sort of touched on some of Oba Chandler's past indiscretions, but let's get the full picture on his background. He was born October eleventh, 1946. He was the fourth of five children and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, which, if you remember, is coincidentally the exact same state that the rogers family was from
1: and it gives me the heebie jeebies
0: yeah small world don't like it but yeah oba dealt with death at a young age as his father hung himself in the family apartment when oba was 10 years old which is honestly really heartbreaking i do i feel bad for him i don't care what happens that's an awful thing to go through but um we'll you know dive into that shortly i read at the funeral right now yeah i'm gonna have one point and then say all those things Uh, I read at the funeral he actually jumped into the open grave as the gravediggers were trying to cover his father's coffin with dirt, which is, again, heartbreaking. I mean, he must have been so close to his dad and just really couldn't detach. Well, these are all the points I was talking about. It is really hard for kids at that age especially to experience such loss and how they experience changes with their level of cognitive development, which actually, for the most part, I guess, corresponds to their age, which... let me tell you about them there are three main stages ages three to five our kids ages three to five see death as reversible they simply are considered kind of like less alive or in a state similar to sleep so they think you can just go be woken up and you know you've seen that movies
1: yeah i know yeah that makes sense
0: yeah stage two ages five to nine that's when they comprehend the finality of death but see it as something that's only going to happen to other people you know not my parents not my family and at stage 3 which is 10 plus is when kids actually like, fully understand that death happens to everyone and can see how it actually occurs and correlates with the body itself mm. yeah it's interesting so
1: <clears throat> excuse me
0: he's uh right on that cusp so cognitively like who knows if he was in stage 2 or stage 3
1: yeah that's, that's really interesting because like, I feel like when my dad died I was 10 mm-hmm. and I feel like at the point that he died that I was still in that stage of thinking like death is something that happens to other people, but not to me. Yeah. yeah. Not to people I'm close with. Right. I,
0: I feel like you don't really understand that until you're older. I mean, I want to say older, but I can't imagine it ten me thinking that anyone around me could die. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of what I mean. Like, yeah,
1: like I knew that people died and like things happened. Especially, like, when I was really little, my great-grandparents died. But they were really, really old. Right,
0: like, yes. It, it, that's actually, that's a great point. If you think that death is a thing that can happen to people, it can only happen when they're really, really old. Yes. I feel like that's almost a step in between. That's true, yeah.
1: But, yeah. So, and it's also, like, you kind of feel like it won't happen to you until it does. And then once it does, like, your world's just completely fucking different. Right,
0: yes. Yeah. Your li- Your whole life changes
1: preaching to the choir yeah
0: yes absolutely yes. but as you were yeah well so these stages of course don't actually change how the kids would grieve the loss of course everyone's going to go through their own process but it does speak to how much they would really understand it the outcomes of a kid going through this type of experience very really broadly some kids are immediately mad scared or sad of course but the larger concern is what people call the sleeper effect and that shows up in adulthood. Childhood, no, nope. <laughs> adulthood. As we mentioned earlier, his criminal record started when he was a teenager. At the age of fourteen, he started dealing, dealing cars, <laughs> stealing cars, and was arrested a total of twenty times as a juvenile. Which, woof, That's twenty a times. Lot. Yeah. A lot. yeah, I don't understand how anyone can be arrested that many. But anywho, as his crime or his crimes didn't stop there, as he got older, he continued to be charged with things such as possession of counterfeit money, which. That's a big one. How do you counterfeit money? I don't know. Yeah, That that one's interesting to me. Loitering. Okay, easy. Burglary. Then we get really intense. Kidnapping and armed robbery. There was one particular incident where he and an accomplice broke into a couple's home and held them at gunpoint to rob them. He said that the accomplice tied the man up while he took the woman to the bedroom, had her stripped to her undies, and rubbed the barrel of his gun across her stomach. Which is obviously some sort of test in his mind to see if he would, like, if he would like to take complete power over someone, or not, or just, you know, testing his boundaries.
1: And also, do you think that the gun was, like, symbolic of his penis? Like, it had to have been, right? Isn't that
0: kind of common? I think. I think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Especially a he had her get naked. Very phallic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. That's a good point. <laughs> Oh, actually, amazing point. My next bullet. Uh, I actually saw that he was accused of masturbating while peeping through women's windows. So maybe he is connecting those things.
1: Yeah, maybe. But enough about this perv. Let's get back to the Rogers family.
0: Yeah, we will do. Police suspected that the Rogers women crossed paths with Oba when Joan asked him for directions to their motel while they were just simply at a gas station. As we know, he wrote the directions down on her pamphlet. During their interaction, he invited the woman out on his boat for a little sunset cruise. The girls accepted the offer, and he gave them directions to the boat ramp, which, again, PSA, don't go on boats with strangers. Just a bad situation. You have no power. Just be careful. Yeah. We also have phones now, so it's a little different, but... Anyhow,
1: just be safe. That's all. Yeah, be safe. That's all we ask. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, so that evening, the woman met Oba at the boat ramp, and he took him out on the bay. Unfortunately, none of the women knew how to swim, because yeah, they were from Ohio, so not so much water around, and yeah, lived on a farm, so
1: weren't again not so much water. Around. Exactly, busy with chores. Uh
0: huh. Yes, regular. very busy. I'm sure. Um, but so they were completely at his mercy. They had no other option but to do exactly what he said. After he had them all under his control, they were bound and gagged, and we'll assume that they were sexually assaulted. We aren't aware, but. That just kind of seems like a likely next step. Uh, What we do know is that after he was finished with the women, he tied them to the concrete blocks and threw them overboard. Investigator, Investigator Glenn Moore speculates that he didn't cover their eyes for two reasons. One, he wanted them to see what was coming. And two, he wanted to see the fear in their eyes as it was actually happening to them.
1: So he wanted them to know who was doing this to them and wanted to watch as they lost hope pretty much?
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I might, I might be reaching here, but I do wonder if this string of crimes was truly sparked by his father like quote unquote leaving him and like how helpless it made him feel possibly just like the trying to regain control. Well, wait,
1: do you mean like the rapes and murders or like his initial string of crimes as a juvenile?
0: Hm, well, probably both. His father, you know, leaving could have started the lesser crimes as a way to seek attention, something along the lines of kind of acting out, while the more brutal crimes would have been ways to try and restore control over his own life. You know, again, totally reaching, but it could correlate. Could, okay. Yeah. But enough speculation. Oba called his wife to let her know that he was having, quote-unquote, engine trouble. It was going to be late to dinner. Which, gotta love all of this happening. He's just like, hold on, honey, I'll be there in a minute. Just showing some psychopathic tendencies, but whatever. Um, But this call put his communication to the ship shore log that the police found later.
1: So Boba was arrested and charged with three counts of kidnapping and first degree murder. At his trial, he confessed to having met the women and giving them directions, but denied ever seeing them again outside of the media coverage after their murder. He claimed to be fishing alone during the time of the murders and maintained his maintained his story, that he was having engine trouble, saying it was a gas line leak. He even said that he called the Coast Guard, the Florida Marine Patrol, and to have flagged down a patrol boat, but that everyone was too busy to help. Okay, but there should be records of those calls. Agreed. But before we get into that, I just want to note, he said that he was, also said he was able to repair the gas line with duct tape and to safely, was able to safely return to shore and as you suspected all of this shows lies there were no records of distress calls to either the coast guard nor the marine patrol and according to a boat mechanic McCam-
0: <laughs>
1: also according to a boat mechanic that testified at the trial Oba's explanation of how he repaired the gas line was basically impossible the fuel lines in his boat were directed upwards which would have sprayed the fuel into the air and not onto the boat and the gasoline would have dissolved the adhesive of the duct tape. So, at the the conclusion of the trial, Oboe was found guilty and was sentenced to death on November 4, 1994. He maintained his innocence and filed many appeals. Shortly after sentencing, his wife filed for divorce, go girl, and their marriage was dissolved the following year. On October 10th, 2011, the Florida governor, Rick Scott, signed Oba's death warrant and his execution was set for November 15, 2011. He asked his lawyer not to file any more appeals to keep him alive, and despite this request, on October 12th of 2011, his lawyer said that although he was preparing to file a motion regarding the violation of his client's 5th and 14th Amendment rights in the case, he was unsure whether Oba Oba was willing to travel to Clearwater for the court hearing or would agree to the filing of the motion. On October 18th, he filed a motion against the execution on grounds that the way Florida imposes the death penalty is unconstitutional. A hearing on Oba's motion was set for October 21st at 1 p.m. and Oba did not attend. On October 24th, his appeal was rejected because he had already filed for filed an appeal to the Florida Supreme Court prior to the decision. And the appeal was heard in a court in Tallahassee at 9 a.m. on November 9, 2011. The Florida Supreme Court had upheld Oba's death sentence in 1997 and in
0: 2003. On November fifteenth, Oba was executed at 4.08 p.m. at Florida State Prison in Ryford. He declined to make his last statement prior to his execution, but left a written statement with President prison officials quote, "you are killing an innocent man today" End quote. one of oba's daughters valerie said in an interview after the execution quote, "i believe that they did execute an innocent man i don't think my father alone could have pulled off such a heinous crime it would have been more than one person the palm print would prove he did meet them oh the palm print would prove that he did meet them and gave them directions but didn't mean he killed them i think the prosecution had a very weak case she also said that she sent a letter to Governor Scott asking him to commute Oba's sentence to life imprisonment. Oba's son Jeff said, quote, I truly believe he was tried and convicted by the media long before he went to trial. The media can pretty much convict you. I don't think he got a fair trial. End quote. Yet another one of Oba's daughters, Suzette, said her father was a monster who got what he deserved. And with that, I tend to agree. Yeah, I actually, I think it's kind of insane how different his children thought of him, like, or what they saw in him. I do kind of wonder if the whole different mom, so they do- they got to... See, like, different sides of him. Yeah, and, like, interact with him differently. So some loved and some hated him, maybe? Mm, no idea. Like, oh, maybe it has something to do with, like, the mother's relationship. Yeah, the it mother good has... terms or bad terms. Maybe. Hmm. Well, anywho, that is the story of the first time billboards were used to help solve a case, and the first story of our little series. So, I've never actually heard of that case, so I was really excited about that one, but I'm excited to do the exploration of all the other cases as well.
1: Yeah.
0: And after that, quick transition. That's enough of that. Should we wind down? I think we should. And we're back. We are into our face mask portion. Um, and just heads up, before we even talk about it, Nicole and I just put our face mask on, so they are currently sitting there, drying, I can already feel it hardening. Starting
1: to harden, yeah. Yeah.
0: but okay, so let's dive into it. Nicole, what mask are we doing this week?
1: Uh, so tonight we're doing the, I think I'm saying it right, the Puya Star Peel-Off Glitter Mask, which tightens tones and firms for a lifted look, it nourishes and hydrates according to the box. <laughs> according to their Amazon page, they have five different kinds of glittering parts, which are cosmetic glitter that's approved by the FDA and can be safely used on the skin, which is good to know. Um, some highlighted ingredients are ugh, centella Asiatica extract, which according to the National Institute Health is effective in improving treatment of small wounds, hypertrophic wounds, as well as burns, psoriasis, and scleroderma, which I'm assuming is some kind of skin disease, just based on the derma part of the word. That would make sense. Uh, It also promotes fibroblast proliferation and increases the synthesis of collagen and intracellular, oh my god, so much words. Uh, It also improves the strength of newly formed skin and inhibits inflammation. Okay,
0: so I looked it up. What Um, is it? Sculoderma is a long-lasting disease that affects your skin, connective tissue, and internal organs. It happens when your immune system causes your body to make too much of the protein collagen. Yeah. Interesting. So as a a result, your skin gets really thick and tight.
1: Interesting. Uh Uh-huh. Well, the final use of the centella acetyl asiatica extract is that it can be used in the treatment of photoaging skin and cellulite next up is camilla sinensis extract which is actually just a tea extract and some properties that have been highlighted are it's an antioxidant an anti-inflammatory it's slimming it strengthens your hair and photoprotective and sealing blood vessels
0: cool yeah. So I, I think most importantly we should talk about what it looks like. Oh, that we should.
1: Yeah. It's it's not your average mask. So it is a black gel with mm-hmm. stars and glitter in it. But and that's how you know Nicole picked it. It's also it's very like taking it out of the jar, it was very it's very interesting consistency. It's very thick very thick. Very
0: thick and very sticky. It reminds me of mucus. Okay. Well, that's it does. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you tell your truth. I'm not going to lie.
1: But yeah, it was uh interesting to put it on. Yes. Um it has a pleasant odor, which is It does. A nice bonus. It does
0: smell nice, but yes, the experience of trying to put it on it's very as we said sticky. So it sticks Mm -hmm. to your hand, so it kind of takes it off your face while you're putting it on. I do think that it may have just been a little cold, though, because the more we, like, wiped our faces, the more evenly it started to Mm -hmm. distribute. So the mask just may not be warmed up like it's supposed to be. Mm. But we'll see. We'll see
1: how taking it off goes. We will. Um. The directions for use do say to clean your face and to keep it moist, so I'm glad I used the facial spray before yeah, um, doing this, because we know my track record with peel-off mask masks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it says, you know, apply it evenly, leave for 15 to 20 minutes. Once the mask is dried, gently tear the film and rinse it with water. Rinse your face with water. Yeah, the, box did,
0: it. the box did say something about rubbing in the lotion. So I'm curious if there is, like, some extra hydration level to this that's, like, underneath it. I can yeah. definitely feel it tightening.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. It, yeah. I'm very intrigued as well. But. Oh.
0: Uh, yes. We did pick it because it's just fun. Yeah. For fun. Um, But also because it's, you know, a nice nod to the new year. Mm-hmm. New year, new
1: us? No. Same us, new year. Sort of same us some changes
0: <laughs> some growth
1: growth personal growth yeah
0: well yeah. i guess that, that's a lovely segue unless you have something else to add about the mass should we just chitty chat no let's just chit chat okay so it's been a while since we chatted um i guess our last episode came out on christmas eve mm-hmm. so we made it through the holidays we made it through new years we survived we did and i know holidays look different for
1: everyone yep um uh, so definitely smaller groups smaller yeah That was, it was interesting. It was nice. Mm -hmm. It was a lot less children running around, which was, true. made it a little quieter, which Mm -hmm. was nice at my Nana's house. Yeah. Um, I know you got to see your family, which was good. Mm -hmm. Yes, I got
0: to go see my parents, Mm -hmm. and they are in the process of moving, so I had the fun task of going through all of my childhood boxes while I was there, so it wasn't exactly what I would call relaxing, but very productive. Um, so I saw all kinds of stuff that they kept for me. Uh, I do actually remember packing some of them because it was like packing up my room after, you know, I left for college or what have you. Yeah. And the stuff in all of those boxes, I was a real nerd. I saved so much homework. There's book reports in there. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I asked my mom that and she was like, you were really proud. I have a whole portfolio of art. Which, I'm going to be really honest, I don't think I would have saved my art from when I was little, so I think my mom just gave me, like, the pile of it, and then I just put it in a box.
1: Mm. My assumption? I, I was gonna, just going to ask if you were at all artistic. In, like, <laughs> were they, or, like, are they good drawings? Oh, they or? were
0: so good. You know, I started off in crown, mm-hmm. and then I fast-forwarded to maybe some watercolors. Oh.
1: Mm-hmm. You, so you just skipped right over the colored pencils?
0: Oh. Well, I guess that's just not my...
1: Forte? Medium?
0: Medium, yeah. Yeah, it's good. just not my medium. So it's, um, <laughs> it's it was interesting, I'll say that. But there's a lot of things where I was like, oh, that's so nice, trash. <laughs> and I definitely, like, took some pictures of stuff to try to remember it, but a lot of those things, like, I have
1: zero interest no memory it. of
0: why or I not. would even have wanted to keep it. So mm-hmm. into the trash it goes. I'm also one of those schools that had a yearbook for every year you were in school, so I had kindergarten through 12th grade.
1: Wait. Not every school does that? No. Some don't only have them for high school. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought all schools did it for every year. Apparently not.
0: Oh, interesting. So I had my 13-year books, and they're all, you know, big books. or They weren't little. So I got to go through and find my picture, and then I just tore out every one of, like, my grade. <laughs> and then I saved I sa- I saved three whole-year books. Like, my senior one. I think I'd, I, I tried to f- find them kind of evenly spaced throughout my life yeah but i was like i can't keep all of those that box
1: was a beast it oh. weighed so much i know where all my old yearbooks are they're in my closet in my childhood bedroom and that's where they're going to stay yeah just wait until your mom moves if she was like do you want to keep any of these i would literally throw every single one away oh except maybe like an elementary one yeah, it's kind of nice from, to, like, like,
0: go back and see. And be like, oh, these are my best friends.
1: Oh, no, I don't really care about that. There oh. were just, like, some really nice sentiments written to me. Because my dad died, like, at the end of the school year. So, like, everybody signed oh. my yearbook and they, like, sent it to us. So And there were just, like, some really nice sentiments from, like, friends and teachers and, like, the guidance counselor and stuff. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. But, yes, so. it would make sense for your yearbook. But. I mean, other than that, like, I don't really give a shit about, like, the people who I'm no longer friends with or, you know, whatever.
0: Well, it was interesting because, and I'm going to tell you this story because it's about my very best friend from high school. Ooh. Apparently, there was a year she didn't sign my yearbook. <gasps> and I was like, I guess we were fighting at that time. Right? There was a time that we had a little girl drama. I guess it was the time of yearbooks. Oh. Yeah.
1: I was literally looking for, her, like, what she wrote. Nothing. Oh, that's interesting. The next time I go home, I'm going to have to look and see what Sarah wrote yeah. in all of my yearbooks.
0: Well, it's like, also, you remember like at the time you gave a whole page to like your best friend or something? You're like, mm-hmm. this is where you sign. You
1: have to go first. Yeah. No, no, nothing. You can't write on this page. It no. belongs to Jackie. It belongs to mm-hmm. Sarah. It belongs to Rebecca. No. So, that was disappointing said
0: yeah let's wait until she listens to this podcast and i had actually didn't tell her that so told one
1: email surprise mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so my mom came to visit maybe last weekend i think and she brought like she has this folder of things she's just been like saving up for me and like it's like old notes but like from like like old cards that are from like friends and like um my birth certificate is not it. I was, like, the cutest little chunky baby. You were the cutest little chunky baby. Well, I wasn't little, but I was a cute chunky baby. hmm Gerbert baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No. Which Just. is so fun because that was the exact opposite. Skinny little alien thing.
1: I want to see the baby picture of you when you were little. And oh, I got Like em. a nugget.
0: Oh, they're probably in that box right
1: there. Oh, yeah, Cool. Well, we will get into that when mm-hmm. we after we take these off our face. Yeah. It's, it's already starting to, like... Lift. I feel. I feel like it's lifting on like the edges of like my mouth yeah. and like my chin right below my lip, which hopefully means it'll come off easily. Fingers crossed. Um. I do want to bring up some self care, like a hard self care decision that I had to make. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, as you know, I had to rehome the dog. Mm-hmm. Um. But I. I don't know. It was, like, it was a very hard decision, but my mental health was just, like, spiraling down the drain.
0: Yeah, which is the most important. You can't take care of anything or anyone else if you can't take care of you. Yeah. So,
1: Minnie is no more. Well, she is. I mean, she is. More. She's no more. She's just not with me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She'll find a good home. She'll find exactly what she needs. It's just,
1: yeah. It wasn't right. Nope. And onward and upward. Onward, upward. Yeah. So I just wanted to say, like, I feel like it's very important that we take our own mental health and our own well-being into account so much before we take it into take other people's into account. Absolutely,
0: I couldn't Um, agree more.
1: Don't be afraid to be selfish.
0: Yeah, it kind of goes along with what every other true crime podcast does. Like, do first. Don't be afraid to be rude. Say what you mean. You know, don't feel bad. Yeah. Especially women. Don't feel bad. Yeah. Do what's best for you.
1: You got to take care of yourself before you can be
0: happy. Totally. And it's the best life lesson. I I mean, I struggle with that all the time. You're trying to be everything to
1: everyone and you just can't. You have to say no sometimes. And it's the hardest thing is it's the easiest advice to give to someone else, but it's the hardest advice to follow yourself.
0: Oh, I am a hundred percent certain that ninety nine percent of everyone out there is more likely to take advantage of themselves than their closest friends.
1: Yeah, no, it's I've can't, I can I if you know what I mean. I I can definitely tell you how many times I have given that advice to someone that, like you need to look out for you like you can't keep worrying about what this person like is thinking or is feeling or is whatever like you need to look out for you and if you're not happy how can how can you help them be happy yeah i can't tell you how many times i've said that oh
0: i agree uh there's just so much guilt that goes around or comes around you kind of giving yourself a break Mm -hmm. you know are you being too easy on yourself Mm -hmm. you know the whole idea of i should have done more i could have done better you know we spend our whole lives trying to be the best at a sport, or in our grade, or in our profession, or whatever it is. And you just can't. At the end of the day, you can't. No. So do what makes you happy.
1: So there's that. It's a good life lesson, it's a good reminder. to. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what I'm looking at. Our brief time together as is a life lesson. And that's really all I can look at it as. It's a good outlook. So... You did a lot for her. Yeah. She hope... will be better for it. And the nice thing is the trainer we um, were working with is, or at least he said, he is going to try to continue to work with her while she's at the shelter until she gets rehomed. And then her training, like, is already, like, fucking paid for for, like, the rest of the year. So, Um, but no, I'm hoping he follows through with, like, going to the shelter Mm -hmm. and working with her and that she finds a home soon with a yard that she needs. Yeah.
0: A little more space. Yeah. Maybe a little farther out in Virginia. Fingers
1: crossed. Yeah, it'll it'll be good. Yeah, just gotta trust it. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just gonna take some time to focus on myself and getting myself happy and in in line to where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And we're back at this. We're back at this. Yes, a hobby
0: we both obviously are interested in. Otherwise, we would be. We wouldn't have picked it back up. Really
1: punishing ourselves?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No. I'm very happy to be back doing this and
0: Yeah, let's talk about some murder. Murder <laughs> <laughs> Oh, laughing. That's made a bunch of it come off. Okay, oh, yeah. well, so the timer did go off. Are you feeling I'm feeling like
1: it could probably come off. Yeah. Okay, well let's So we'll um we'll be right back for you. It'll be like basically instantaneous. So hang on. And we're back. So, Avery, do you want to give your grade first? Or should we talk about the exciting news that I was able to peel the whole mask off in one go?
0: Yeah, it's like, I think we can talk about that first. Yes. So,
1: I'm super pumped. It's the first one. The first one in my recollection of ever. Well, just ever. I've done peel-off face masks without you.
0: I don't think so. In my youth. What? You said that was the first one you ever did. So you're. either what, this liar one that we just did? Liar, liar now. The one we just did? No, the first one we did. The purple one.
1: I don't know. Whatever. Just saying. Either way, it's the first one that's ever come all the way off my face in one go. It's very exciting. Yes. So there
0: must be something to that consistency.
1: Or just the fact that I, like, used a bunch of facial mist beforehand. Right, right, right. Yes, maybe. Yeah. So, I think I'm going to keep up with doing the misting of my face before we do Mm peel-offs.
0: Yes. Advice from Selena. Thank you. Yes. Thanks, Selena. You're the best. (laughs) Okay. Well, I mean, since you're already talking about your experience, what would you think? What's your Um, grade? I will
1: give it a B. Okay. Because... It did come all the way off my face in one go. Mm-hmm. So, big ups for that. It smelled nice. It looked cool. But the consistency was kind of like off putting. That's uh,
0: exactly the word I was thinking.
1: Yeah. And then, I don't know, my face feels good now. Like, it doesn't feel tight or like weird at all. It feels kind of refreshed mm-hmm. and like. Okay. So, oh, I'm going to
0: give it a B. Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, what about you? Yeah. So I would go a C, mm-hmm. um, kind of for the same reasons you said. The consistency, putting it on, the whole thing, is just complicated, and when you're trying to smooth out the mask, some of like the glitter stars kind of stab you a little. Yep. It really wasn't that bad, but I didn't appreciate it no. all the same. So I don't enjoy that. I'm not knocking it for the fact that one of my little baby hairs got caught in the mask and that. I- got ripped out of my head.
1: I should have secured it better.
0: I know. That was my own fault. User error. I'll mm-hmm. give them that. Um, for how it made my skin feel, the directions had said something about you rub in any of like the leftover lotion. Okay, what lotion? No lotion. My skin was bone dry when I took it off. Yeah. So there was nothing to rub in. Uh, so kind of knocked on that. Not exactly sure if the instructions are kind of incorrect or if for some reason like we didn't do it right i don't know but
1: i, don't know, I feel like that's a hard thing to fuck up like take yeah. it out of the jar put it on your face
0: agreed uh and then finally when we did take it off my skin actually felt a little tight and right now it feels a little agitated oh just slightly but it feel and it's probably like my skin's just drier than yours it, so slightly more sensitive so i think it may have not been like the happiest of experiences for my skin now it, not saying it won't have long-term good effects, but for the right now, C. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. All right. So overall average would be like a B minus, C plus. Yeah. Somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I would probably do it again, but like just for like a fun girls night, not because I was trying to get any kind of like beauty benefits out of it. Mm-hmm.
0: I agree with that. But so. if we're still doing a fun girls night, we should do the butt mask. Or Ava
1: mask, because it was just fun. Yeah, it was fun. We need to get another one. <laughs> they were fun. Yeah, we'll try a different kind. Yeah. All right. Um, Was that all for this week? I think so. All right. Well, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, like our Facebook page, shoot us over some emails about all the things at maskedmurderpodcast at gmail.com. And that's all for this week.
0: Take Take care care of of yourselves.
1: Sources for this week are APNews.com, ForensicTales.com, LATimes.com, the National Institute of Health, UPI.com, the St. Petersburg Times, the Forensic Files episode titled Waterlogged, and Wikipedia.org.